for those of you that were here last Sunday, by the way, I, I appreciate all the notes that I received last, this past week saying last Sunday morning was the best service you've ever attended. I just want you to know that for a pastor that never gets to preach, that, that hurts. Just, <laughs> just wanted to throw that out there a little bit. Actually, that's not true at all. Uh, we were grateful. Uh, I've come to understand that when you have a church that runs multiple services, as hard as I try, not every service is going to look the same because not every congregation's needs are the same. And, and we happen to have multiple congregations, and uh, I'm grateful for God's abiding presence. For the next few moments this morning, I want to talk to you about your story. In fact, the title of the message today is, This is My Story. I have felt more and more that as we see things taking place in the world around us, that the church is going to be stirred more and more. And the church, I'm talking about each of you as individuals that have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that your silence, the silence of what God has done within your life is going to be um, something that the Lord is going to prompt you to get over. That we need to be people that speak the truth. We need to be people that tell the story of what God is doing. Uh, I want to share with you quickly a passage of Scripture that's in Acts chapter 22. I'm going to read 16 verses because this is Paul's story, and it sets for us an outline for what I want to just share with you briefly this morning. It says, Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. And then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, under Gamaliel, I was thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers and was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. As also the high priest and the council can testify, I even obtained letters from them to their brothers in Damascus and then went to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About... Noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me, and I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law, highly respected by all of the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear the words of his mouth. You will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now what is waiting for you? Get up, be baptized, wash your sins away, calling on his name. Father, I pray that as we see an outline that Paul left for us, as to how to develop our story that we would take from that and extrapolate what we need to do today in order for us to tell our story. And we pray these things as you unlock them to us in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Jane, or Francis Jane Crosby, was born in Putnam County in the Hudson Valley of New York on March the 24th, 1820. A very poorly trained doctor was assessing an eye condition that she had had at the time and applied a mustard-plastered poultice to her eyes when she was six weeks old that caused her to go permanently blind. Even in her childhood, she realized that she had had a gift. In fact, she often says, I have a jewel. It's called contentness or contentment. And when she was nine years old, she began to write poems and music. And here is what she wrote. Oh, what a happy soul am I. Although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world, contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that others don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. When she was 15 years old, she entered the New York Institute for the Blind, and her record there was of such excellence that after graduation, she was asked to teach at the Institute, and she remained on faculty there for 11 years. She told Trevina Jackson in a little book about her love story, it says that she says, people seem to forget that even blind girls can have just as much of a faculty for love as those who see. When I was about 20 years old, a gifted young man by the name of Alexander Van Alstein came to our institute. He also was blind and he was a musician. And soon we became much concerned for each other. One day, as we were sitting together, I placed my right hand on his left and I called him Van. From that hour, two lives looked on a new universe. For love met each other, and their world was forever changed. On March the 5th of that year in 1858, they were united in marriage. She says, I became a mother, and I knew a mother's love, but the angels came down and took our infant to God. One day in 1873, Franny was visiting a friend. Her name was Mrs. Joseph Knapp, and she was a musician playing the piano, and as they were sitting there together, Mrs. Knapp played a tune on the piano that she had written, recently written, and she said this to Franny, what does this tune say to you? After kneeling in prayer for a few moments, she rose and she declared, this tune is one that I could tell my story to. And she started with these words, blessed assurance. Jesus is mine, and then proceeded to recite very quickly what would become the entire first stanza of the now famous hymn. When Franny Crosby said this, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. And then she said, This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. And this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. If you are a Christian today, your story, your testimony of how God stepped into your life and through the grace of His Son, Jesus Christ, transformed you is a reflection of God's undisputable, life-changing power that nobody can change because it's your story. And we are living in a day 
where one of the most effective evangelism tools that we have within our toolbox is that you have a story to tell of what God has done, a story of the way you used to be when you lived in sin, your interaction with the grace of God and how in that relationship He has built you up through His goodness and mercy what the Lord has done in your life and you can glorify God by sharing the message of your story everywhere you go. I've said sharing your story is much like taking the stand on a witness stand and you are asked questions and you're told to tell the truth. How disappointing would it be that if you were asked to stand on the stand and the judge asked you questions that you kept your mouth shut. I believe that the power of what God wants to accomplish in our world may very well be unlocked as a church begins to open up our mouths and tell our story. In fact, if you have with you today your smartphones or paper and pencil, I'm going to invite you to take them and open them up. And in your smartphones, if you'd open up the notes section, because you're going to take a few notes over these next few minutes. But I believe that as you prepare yourself to take some notes, that we are living in a time where we have to do more than wear our favorite Christian T-shirt. We have to do more than simply wear a necklace with a cross around our neck. Sooner or later, you are going to have to open your mouth and you're going to have to speak. You have to testify. You have to tell what Jesus is doing in your life. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Scripture says, But you are a chosen people. How many of you are glad you're chosen today? How wonderful it is. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare his praises. Declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So let me share with you today three parts of your story as I help you begin to prepare that because you're going to then begin to allow God to use you. Number one, there's the part of your life before you became a Christian. Then there's your salvation story of how you came to know him. And then there's your life since meeting Jesus. And as you start with the first section, your life before you became a Christian, that probably for many of you is easy to remember because you remember what your life was like before you met Jesus. You remember what it was that drew you because you needed a Savior. You remember the trouble that you had because of the guilt and the shame that you had lived in your life and you knew that without a Savior, you were going to be lost. And so each of you in the notes of your phone or in the, taking notes with pen and paper, whatever that may be, you start with who you used to be. Do you know each one of your stories is going to be different? The Apostle Paul, when he was writing his story, tells us in verses 3 and 4, he said, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, was brought up in the city. I studied under Gamaliel, was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors, was just as zealous for God as any of you today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. He then goes on to say that he even illegally obtained their mail so that he could see who was sending the mail from Damascus so he could backtrack it. Today, we would think that's somebody who's hacking your email, reading your texts, trying to find out who it is that you're in contact with. We live in a day and age where this takes place all of the time. But this was Paul's story. I was one of those. He was an ancient hacker trying to find out 
where the Christians were so I could hunt them down. Now, I don't know about your story, but chances are it's not that bad. Chances are you did not seek out places where you could go to kill Christians. But this was Paul's story before he intersected the grace of God. And so regardless of what it was that you went through, or if you're not yet a Christian, what it is you're going through, let me tell you, it's part of your story that God will use. The second part of your story is your salvation story. In Paul's next section, he describes how he got saved. When he said, about noon, he can remember the very time that it was, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground. I heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, chances are your salvation story is not quite as dramatic. Chances are you haven't been knocked out of your car while you're driving and rolling along the side of the road, hear God in an audible voice say to you, hey, I just want you to know I don't like the way you've been living and I want to intersect you here and introduce myself to you. But there is something about the grace story that God leads you into that will resonate with somebody else. There are people that need to hear your story. And your salvation story, I love listening to people and when I introduce myself to them and talk to them, I generally ask them, tell me about your faith journey. And the stories that God begins to use and unlock are incredible. For me, my faith story was I came into contact with God's grace when I was eight years old at a kid's camp in the middle of farm country, Nebraska. I remember the service and the moment that the invitation was given. And as an eight-year-old, I did not have a long, long list of actions that I had done to destroy the name of God. But I knew that all it took was one sin for me to be disqualified. And I remember responding, and I could take you back to that room today and show you the exact place where I submitted my life to the Lord. Chances are you can remember that place as well. In Paul's story, we also are introduced to the fact that after he was blind, he was taken to a place where he met a man by the name of Ananias. How many of you know that in your story, somebody else plays a role? Some of you are here today because people prayed for you. Some of you are here today because somebody stepped out of their comfort zone to share with you the news of Jesus Christ at a moment you needed it. Some of you were in the middle of darkness when somebody said, I can tell you who the light is. But there was somebody that played the role of an Ananias in your life that came alongside of you. Here's what I believe God is asking us as a church to prepare to do. We are about to all be released as Ananiases. To be going into the lives of people, interacting with them, sharing with them our story, leading them to Jesus Christ. And so when you're jotting down in your notes, jot down the names of those who played a key role in your salvation experience. Write them down. Talk about them. And then in your story, individually, yours may be different than everybody else. Maybe your salvation came because you attended a church service. Maybe yours was at home or at work. Maybe it was at a youth camp or a Christian retreat or beside your bed one night as you were crying out to the Lord. Did it happen while you were watching a live stream service? Maybe you heard something on the radio or maybe you're one of those Thousands upon thousands that responded to a Billy Graham crusade. Who gave you your first Bible? What did they write in it to encourage you? 
Maybe in your story, you've experienced being baptized in the Holy Spirit, as we had a number of people last week have happened. Write that down in your story about what God did as He empowered you. Whatever your unique story may be, spend some time and write it down because God is going to use your story to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And then after you've written the section about the way you used to be and your salvation story, then jot down some notes about what your faith journey has been like. Our faith journeys are all different. How many of you know some of your faith journeys have been easy? Some of your faith journeys have been really difficult. Regardless of what your journey has looked like, God is going to use it. Some of you have gone through some tremendous heartache and you said, Lord, why am I going through this? Only to find out later that because of the uniqueness of your story, there would be other people that you could relate to that would never have listened to you if it didn't have something that was in common with them. And around this room, and for those of you that are watching online, I recognize every one of you has a unique story that God will use if you will just share it. In Paul's journey, he was told by Ananias, go and I will send you away to the Gentiles. And for the rest of his life, he was faithful to the calling and his faith story was filled with hardships and challenges, but also loaded with miracles and teaching and salvations and churches that were starting as he became one of the greatest ministers of the gospel. So as you write down your story, you might want to ask yourself questions like this. Who am I now as a Christian? What is Christ doing in me and through me? How is this in contrast to who I was before? You know, we see commercials all the time of before and after pictures. Sometimes your testimony is to say, this is who I was. This is who I am. The before and after Christ is incredible. You may want to write down stories about how has God changed me? How has the Holy Spirit baptism empowered me? How is he being glorified in my life? What fruit do I display in my life as you look at Colossians 1 and Galatians chapter 5? How is the work of God evidenced in your everyday life? What spiritual gifts has God given you that you are using for his glory? And then, for some of you, what does it look like to give the testimony of how God has healed me? This morning, I'm going to invite to the platform John Fasulo, who's going to give you a testimony that's part of his story about what God has done. I hope it's on. I do have a teacher voice. Jeff. I'm missing a button. One button. Okay, perfect. If it didn't work, guys, I have a teacher voice, so I could probably pull, I could probably pull it off. Um, my faith journey, I have a story about a healing, um, like Pastor Doug just mentioned, and thank you for letting me share this with the body. Um, it actually has to deal with an event uh, with some of our Grace friends here, a flag football game that Dennis Wood usually organizes. And so I, I love doing that when he asked me to because, you, you know, I'm, I have three kids at home 
and they're four years old, two years old, and 10 months. So I don't have much free time for myself. So when I get asked, I run it by the wife, and it's like, I can go, okay, yes, wonderful. So we were playing flag football. I was running around like a cat on catnip. It was so much fun. And then in the second half of the game, um, Pastor Pablo threw a pass to me. I was in the end zone, and I jumped up with a few other guys. I liked the story to go where it was like a helmet catch, like David Tyree and, or OBJ with the three-finger catch. It didn't happen that way. I just I, I fell, and I hurt myself. <laughs> actually, I, well, I, we bumped into each other, and I didn't judge where my foot would actually land accurately. So my, my foot went down all the weight on it, and it, it, uh, it went outward. So well, I broke my ankle. Um, I didn't know it was broken at the time because I, I've never hurt my legs before. I've hurt my back, I hurt my wrist, so I was in my mind just becoming, you know, WebMD. I'm like, well, you know, it's probably a sprain. And I was even saying in my head, well, it's probably a third-degree sprain. It's definitely a third-degree sprain because I, I heard a pop. Um, one of the guys even there was like, are you a doctor? I'm like, well, no. <laughs> um, so I hobbled. I walked off the field. I hobbled with it. Um, I drove home. I was grabbing my leg like this and doing the gas because it, it hurt. Um, and then I went home, and um, my wife told me to go to urgent care. She's in the medical field. She told me to go to urgent care because I was whining too much. Um, <laughs> this is where I mentioned that she's half Russian. So this is what I had. <laughs> so she wasn't going to take me whining. So I went to urgent care with my dad, and uh, they took the x-rays, and it was definitely broken, big chunk of it. Um, it was the, uh, on the tibia bone at the end, the medial malleolus, that's what it's called. It was like a, I guess I would say like an inch by an inch, cracked off. And it, yeah, and then in my mind I'm thinking, okay, literally that was the first day of summer. Literally the first day of summer was a Saturday. I'm a teacher, okay, so, and my wife works from home, remotely, mostly. Um, so it's daddy daycare for summer. And it's with the three kids. And it's hard enough for me with two cups of coffee at full strength to, to manage the energy of my two boys because they, they just... So I'm thinking, all right, they're telling me six to 12 weeks crutches, no, no weight on it for all this time. And I'm like, wow, okay. So they, um, they send me home and I, I get the uh, surgery two days later. Um, they just, they, they put a little incision, they put two screws in there. And with a splint, I had a splint um, with crutches, no weight on it. And they gave me medication for one week you know, the, the stronger stuff that actually works. And I'm, you know, laying there with my foot up and everything, and then after the one week, I had to go back, they took out the staples, and um, they gave me a boot, and they, they told me not to walk on it. Um, and they gave me the crutches, and they said, you, you know, no, no walking on it, no weight on it for, you know, probably six more weeks. But my next appointment was three weeks later at the four-week mark. So I'm laying in bed that night, this is one week after um, it happened, and I'm alone, and uh, you know it hurt because I didn't have the medication really anymore. I mean, I have Tylenol, and I'm thinking, I, I prayed to the Lord. And as far as my faith journey is concerned, you know, I, I understood the the Lord with salvation. I understand that. Okay, I understood, you know, Jehovah Jireh. You probably know some of the names in Hebrew. I'm not going to start quoting all the Hebrew, but I, I know when He can provide. I know when He's your righteousness. I know when you know, El Shaddai. I, I, I experienced that. Um, I never experienced Jehovah Rapha before. The Lord is our healer. I never experienced that. And um, I prayed over my, my leg. 
Um, and I actually, you know, I, I should mention that uh, during Pastor Doug's Revelation series, um, this is probably like six or seven months ago, I, I, I experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, which, as what Pastor Doug would say, helped equip me with more things. So, spiritual things. So I, I prayed over my foot in the Spirit. Um, and I didn't really think anything of it after that. I went to bed, but the next morning, I put my feet on, on the floor next to my bed, and, you know, there was no pain. And I walked to my bathroom, and I walked back, and this is where my analytical mind comes in. I'm thinking, well, I just got a high pain tolerance. That's what it is. I, just, I heal quickly a high pain tolerance. So I put the boot on, and I, I started walking around, and I was not supposed to. My wife was chewing me out. You know, you're going to ruin it. It's not going to heal right. They're going to have to cut you open everything. I mean, logical things. And, and still, I was analytical with it, thinking it's just my, it's just, just my, uh, my pain tolerance. So three weeks go by. You know, in public, I, I would use the crutches and everything, but I was, still was walking on it. And at the four-week mark, I should mention this too. I, should, I almost forgot. I should mention this. Um, you know, I know I prayed for it, but I know some other people did too as well, especially people here in Grace. I know downstairs, Jennifer with the kids, she prayed for it. Um, I talked with Mary Beth, she prayed. And um, my wife and my four-year-old, when we put the kids to bed, we, we prayed with them and, and they prayed over it for me. Um, so that, that happened. But when I went to the four-week appointment, <clears throat> um, the doctor took the x-ray. I had some anxiety for that appointment because I thought to myself, you know, what if I, you know, I didn't have any pain, but I thought, what if I mess it up and they have to cut it open again and fix it, you know? So he took the x-ray. I'm in that little room there, and he puts it up. Then he leaves the room. He goes gets two other doctors. I'm thinking, all right, <laughs> why do you do that? And, and they're talking in front of me, and, and he, said to their he said to their doctors, he said, uh, you, know, you got to see this, you got to see this. I'm thinking, oh, dear God. I'm going I'm to be in trouble. I was worried about it. Um, but I didn't have the faith. I, I, wasn't, I didn't think, but I'll get to that. So I said to them eventually, because I'm sitting there up on the little table, I'm like, guys, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? And the older doctor, um, he's like, well, it's just phenomenal. It's just most phenomenal. I said, well, what do you mean? And he's like, I'll give you quotes, because I'm a history teacher, and this is what I do. I like quotes. He said, he's like, I've been doing this for 30 years. And I've never seen such a phenomenal ankle. So I'm thinking, a phenomenal ankle? I have a phenomenal ankle? <laughs> really? Okay. So I said, what do you mean a phenomenal ankle? And he said, well, there's no, there's no fracture line. Y your bone is completely fused. Um, and then the other, one of the other doctors, a younger one, he was kind of baffled by it. And he hopped up on the, the, the little bed thingy there. And he started grabbing my ankle and playing with it. And then he, now this is when I finally, this is when it finally got into my head, because he, he gets right here on me, and he, and he says, you've been healed. That's what he said. No, he said, you're healed, just like that. And I thought to myself, I'm healed. I had to have him say it to me. Um, and that just shows a lack of faith and lack of spiritual maturity at that point, um, that I never knew the Lord as my Jehovah Rapha. I knew him as the other things, but not that. So my spiritual conclusion with that is what I learned from this, because I, I search through sermons and I listen and, you know, um, and the word. And the Lord wants to reveal himself to you through crisis. That's what happens through crisis. He can reveal himself to you through the good times also, but through crisis, and that would have been a crisis for me. He wants to reveal himself to you. So when that happened, 
um, he revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha to me. Even though I know there's so many more, more horrible experiences people are having, at least for me in my walk, um, that's the side he showed uh, to me. So praise the Lord. I received a letter. There was somebody else that was going to be sharing a testimony today by the name of Gail Taroli. Many of you know Gail. She and her husband came in contact with somebody who had active COVID and they were told not to come to church today. So she would have given a great testimony and this is what she sent me. Here's what it says. I'm here to give you my testimony of a miracle from our Lord Jesus Christ. About three years ago, I was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer, which had already spread to my lymph nodes and there was a spot on my liver. She has gone through all kinds of treatments for the past three years. There was recently a new treatment that was available to her and she said, I believe that as a result of that treatment and as of the prayers of God's saints, her last report was it is totally gone. She goes, I am clear. She goes, I especially want to thank my husband, my family for standing with me and encourage me. I give Jesus all of the glory and honor for my healing. And I thank everyone for your prayers and for the prayer warriors. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. There is something in your story that is uniquely you. And as you jot this down, you're going to find it's a connection point for somebody. I love what John said. God oftentimes uses your crisis. I would prefer him to use my peaceful life. But oftentimes it's your crisis that God shows up in in a unique way and he uses that to connect with people. And so the whole message today is this. Church, we are facing a world where it's going to be easier and easier not to give testimony. But greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Worship team, would you please come? Because as we begin to write our stories, what's going to happen through this is that God is going to get all of the glory. People are going to see and hear the difference between the way that you used to be and the way that you are. And in the result of all of these testimonies, people are going to be confronted with the fact that a living God is at work among people today. And you are living proof. So write your story. Tell your story and let God use your stories.